Queens, three amigas living in Sacramento, California, passionate to support communities of color that intersect with mental health issues. Yes, Queen! Hola, mundo. This is Nopal Queens. This is La Luna. We're getting ready to record episode four right now in the making. We're super excited. Um, today, um, you guys are going to hear one of our guests that we have, our very first guest for our podcast. So we're super excited and grateful. Um, we have a lot of stuff in store for you all. Um, we also are really excited for all the feedback that we've been getting from you all. We're so like honored and feeling full of love and just really proud of all of you for all the feedback and you know just the love and support that you have all shown us thank you so much for that you all are the reason why that we keep doing this so um here we are getting ready to do episode four for all of you we hope you enjoy it gonna let la rosa take it away hi guys this is la rosa um we're just gonna check in today just kind of see how we're doing uh, I already shared earlier, but I'll share with you guys too. I finished my hours for my LCSW license. So I just need to yes, get queen. on top of it, do my application, and then hit the books studying. So I just need to find time. I feel like I my schedule's always really busy. I got you. Uh, so I don't know. I have to say, start saying no to things. I have to start setting boundaries. And we, like we've already yes. talked about before in our last episode, that's hard. It's hard setting those boundaries. Yeah. Um, but I'm also excited. It's a big accomplishment. Like, yes, it is. is. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it takes a lot of work. It, like, it didn't even hit me. Like I just was like doing work at home. And then I told my husband, I'm like, I think I just finished my hours. And yeah. just went back to work. And he's just like, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just finished. You're like, yeah. hold on. Can we celebrate that? Because I remember like when we used to be sitting and crying in our offices when we worked together, like <laughs> we're never going to get there. Like, why is it so yeah. hard? And now it's like such a beautiful thing that we're all in that transition at the same time that we all, all three of us get yeah. to experience One that. After yeah, it's a big yeah. life transition. It's like our like big, big girl jobs now are, are somewhere in the making. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. So that was exciting. Yeah. Congratulations. I know that's amazing. This is La Sirena. And that it literally takes years to get your license. I mean, it does feel like it's forever because it literally yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's just the big major thing mm-hmm. in my life. What about you, La Sirena? How are you? Great. This is La Sirena. Thank you for listening to us and um, having us back on your radio. Um, we're really glad to have our first guest speaker, as La Luna mentioned earlier. And so I'm just really excited about that to have our amigo here today. Um, and I'm doing great. I had a really good weekend. Um, my stepdaughter's over because she stays with us every other weekend. And me and her have just been hanging out all weekend. And it's been, just been really cool. She's like 13 now. And um, she pays attention. You know, conversations matter. And she's just like eager to learn. You could see it in her eyes. Like when we're talking about different topics, she's engaged. And I'm just really lucky That's to cute. have just such a sweet girl around. Yeah. And she's just very sweet, very empathetic. Um, she's like in tuned with her feelings and ours. And I don't know. I'm just kind of we're, we're very lucky right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how long we'll have it. But we're going to enjoy what we do. But that's my check-in this week. I just had a really nice weekend with my family. That's awesome. Yeah. Love that kid. Mm -hmm. She's really awesome. Yep. So we're going to have, I think, La Luna, did you check in? 
Um, this is La Luna. <laughs> I am doing better. Um, I was sick with the flu a couple of days ago, and so I'm finally better. So thank gosh for that. Um, and I was in a weird space earlier, but I was able to kind of process through it. So I'm doing a lot better, and I'm still studying for my exam. So hopefully on November 17th I pass. Um, and that's just been it, just kind mm-hmm. of focusing on studying and getting through that next step in life. Um, so yeah, that's my check. We're also going to ask our guest speaker to check in. So his mm-hmm. name is Rafa and we're very excited to have him here. Yes. Welcome Rafa. So welcome. Thank you Nopal Queens for having me on mm-hmm. here today. Um, I'm really excited to engage in this conversation. Yes. Um, well, my check-in for the week is um, I was really nervous but excited that I got my mac- micro practicum over with yesterday. Nice. I'm currently in the counseling program um, here nice. at Sacramento State. And um, it was a little nerve-wracking for me because I'm taking a play therapy class and I mm. um, play therapy yeah. with children. So mm-hmm. um, I did teach for two years at an elementary school. Nice. I'm a credentialed teacher. Um, but I've never engaged in play therapy. So doing that was really nerve wracking yeah. because I, um, well, I thought I was going to be playing with a four year old uh, kid and then I had an eight year old child because the four year old couldn't make it. Yeah. So that was a little nerve wracking for me because I haven't really, en- yeah. one, I haven't engaged in play therapy at yeah. all. That was a whole point it's of the new. micro practicum. Yeah. Um, and then I thought I was going to be working with a little four-year-old. And, and you were like, what? Eight-year-old. <laughs> yeah. You had to like change your whole mindset. Exactly. Yeah. Different and that was within a matter of minutes, like literally oh. right oh, before yeah. I went into the room to start <laughs> the play therapy oh. session. But I'm glad that that's over with. Um, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks. It seems nice. like the semester is really flying mm-hmm. by. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, great things are happening and I'm, like I said, I'm just happy to be here and engage yeah. in, in this yeah. conversation with our gente. We're yes. happy to have you. Very happy. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being here today and, you know, yeah. giving us a little bit of your weekend. We definitely appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me here. Yeah. Yes. Today we wanted to go into the topic of, um, males in mental health and maybe more broadly gender roles in mental health. Um, we love our feedback uh, from that we've been getting from our listeners, and we really want you all to help us shape and form this show. We are here for you. And so um, a great um, piece of feedback that we received is, you know, is Nopal Queens for males as well? Is there space here for um, our, our gente that identify as male? And there is space for you, and we really value our males because... Uh, when the whole community is doing well, then then all of us together can achieve more in our lives. And so I think mental wellness expands to everyone, regardless of uh, what gender you identify with. But today we wanted to really honor the impact that gender roles have played in accessing mental health. And I think that in our Latino community, males aren't always feeling very welcome to share their vulnerable mm-hmm. feelings and often will uh, choose other ways to express that and not always um, the most helpful for their relationships and also can create barriers too between their children or their um, spouses. And so today we wanted to just honor all the males and really affirm any male identified folks out there who are feeling um, that they can't really express themselves authentically because of maybe what gender norms tell you what to do. And that's the space we want to give today. So I, I was thinking about the 
role that mental health plays with males. Where did we come to this point where males aren't welcomed or not told to get vulnerable? Like, why is there a disconnect, mm-hmm. right? Like, women, when we're vulnerable and we show our emotions, you know, um, people will go, okay, well, that's just women. But men, if they want to show emotions that are vulnerable, like, it can be embarrassment. It can be... Um, fear. Fear. Or shame. Right. Yeah, or not knowing what to do. Yeah. Right, nervousness. Um, wh- how did we get to this point that males aren't as welcome to feel those same feelings that we're able to. Yeah. It's a lot of internalization just based mm-hmm. on society and what they're, what people are told, mm-hmm. uh, what roles are told to assume. Yeah. yeah. I think especially in the Latinx community, those, um, the gender roles become very much extreme. Mm-hmm. So it's like extreme feminism and then yeah. ext- extreme masculinity. Machismo. Uh, machismo. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's even harder when you start to like stretch out those roles. Mm-hmm. And we have to think about yeah. historically how families function. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, when you have like um, a status quo in your family and things work, why change? Right. Families. Yeah. Can, it can be hard to think about changing that. Yeah. I think newer generations now are changing as more women are going to college and we're living on our own now. Then we're breaking away from that tradition of, um, you ever get that question from your family, cuando vas a casar? Right? Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> if you even have to be asked that, and yeah. you're like, I'm not sure. <laughs> or like, yeah, w- the question is in English, when would, when are you going to get married? Because that's the traditional role. It's like, you're a woman, then you get married, and then the man takes care of you. And then, you know, you take care of the children and the house. Yeah. And or that narrative, like, why haven't you found someone to wed? Yeah. Like, when yeah. they tell males, right? Like, what are you doing? Why aren't mm-hmm. you out there? Why haven't you found a wife or a partner, right? And so a lot of those cultural um, expectations. I saw Rafa yeah. nodding a little bit. What are your thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I'm a male. I'm 34 years old. I'm single. And I get it from my family all the time. Why haven't you found someone? When are you going to get married? What the hell is wrong with you? And yeah. I'm like, sorry, I'm not conforming to your expectations yeah. that I had to be married by a certain age, mm-hmm. maybe have a couple of kids by now. Um, my brother, um, who is two years younger than me, um, got married at Ugh. the age of 25. Yes. At the age of 26, mm-hmm. he had his first child. At the age of 28, he had his second one. So, and then my sister got married right after. Oh, and that's hard. Then my second to the youngest brother got married. And oh. now my youngest is in, he's been in a what, two, three year relationship mm-hmm. with his partner. And my parents are kind of looking at me like, when are you? going to give us the news (laughs) that you're with somebody or and for me um you know a lot of it is cultural Mm -hmm. um but also for me personally um I see a lot of people a lot of friends in my age group that Mm -hmm. are married and they have kids and when I look at myself I think do I really want that for me right now or do I want Mm -hmm. to finish my counseling program maybe travel a little bit Mm -hmm. before I make that commitment you got goals yeah Yeah. and I'm just Mm -hmm. a very committed person I don't want to get into 
a relationship if I know I am not going to give it my 110%. Because yes. mm-hmm. everything that I do, I feel like I do it 110%. Yeah. Um, and if I'm not there, if I don't feel like I'm there yet, I need to make sure that I am accomplishing all those goals yeah. that are going to allow me to eventually get you, there. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it didn't happen at 25, 26 yeah. years old, you know? Yep. And I yep. think it's so hard because it's like you're battling all of these like cultural norms and expectation right and your family's like what do you mean like our like our homeostasis is thrown off because you're not living the way that we thought the way that we wanted it the way that we know the way that our culture told us right and so when we come and throw these curveballs it's very difficult I think for our parents and just I think for our our men out there that do decide you know, to have children someday, you know, it's like allowing them to be vulnerable and allowing Mm -hmm. them to be able to express these things that they had to internalize for so many years. My hope that it, that it could inspire them to then say, like, who do I want to be if I'm asserting this role as a father figure, as a male, as a partner, what type of partner or father or male do I want to be? And when I think about males, I think about people who I know and care and love about Mm -hmm. my brother my dad, my friend's nephews, mm-hmm. my own cousins, you know, like little kids growing up that I see, you know, being yeah. taught gender roles. So when I say man and boys, I think about people in my own life, yeah. my own family, my own friends. And when I think about that, I want them to be successful and I want them to have that permission to be vulnerable um, and not be constrained by gender roles, especially in situations where they are experiencing severe mental health severe depression, severe anxiety, and they can't reach out because they don't feel that permission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where I'm really yeah. would love that the men that I love in my life have that permission. Yeah. Rafa, do you have yeah. No, that is so yeah. true. Again, um, La Sirena hit <laughs> yes, the nail on the head again. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, for me, um, a little of self-disclosure and I'm okay. I'm totally okay with doing it. Um, a couple of years ago, I was diagnosed with um, anxiety Mm-hmm. and um, insomnia. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it stemmed from, you know, as a male taking in so much and not feeling like I had an outlet to yes. just kind of sit with someone and just vent. Yeah. Um, and I remember it was it was very tough having to tell my parents, you know, um, yeah. that, hey, I was diagnosed yeah. with anxiety mm-hmm. and insomnia. Yeah. Um, and... A lot of it has to do with in the Latinx community, like you don't talk about these right. things. About yeah. these it's things not real. At all. It's no, it's That's not, not like, a thing. Like, yeah. oh well, you can't sleep. Un te vaporu, prende la veladora, sí. and pray to God that Ay, you're no going to fall asleep. You're you know? being dramatic. <laughs> like, es eso, yeah. Like, that's you're just being dramatic, or you're yeah. that way because you want to be that way, and you're like, um, actually, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so when I when I it's it, it's interesting because when I I actually told my mom I have a real I have a very close relationship with my mother Mm -hmm. with my father it's a little more distant because we have the same uh personality so we 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 crash a lot yeah so um i told i i told my mom i said hey you know i went to the doctor to get a physical this is this is what i was told and then she goes oh okay so what are you gonna do and i'm like oh well the doctor you know um told me to do some breathing exercises maybe try drinking like lavender tea at night all these things yeah. that i can recommend she's like oh okay but it was i felt more like 
She just brushed it under the rug. Yeah. She didn't. She didn't know what to do. Yeah. Know what to do news. or what to say. Yeah. And even that for me just felt like shit. You know, like I yeah. wish you would yeah. have like asked me like deeper questions to actually have a conversation as yeah. to yeah. tell me more about. Yeah. It was How like validating. Yeah. Or right. what can we do to support you or. What you were, how, where do you feel it came from? Do you feel like it's something in our family? Exactly. But it's like, but that would also be a vulnerable place for our parents to admit that they they, they might have played a role in it, right? Right. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh no, yo no fui. Right. They're that way because they want to. I raised them. I did everything, you know. Mm-hmm. So for us to open up that door for our parents, they're like, oh hell no, I'm not about to admit yeah. where I played a role in this. And and yeah, and I mean, um, from I don't remember if it was episode one yeah. or episode two, but I listened to uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> to your podcast um it was brought up in conversation that also you know being the oldest plays a role in in mental health and for me i'm the oldest Mm -hmm. in my family i had to pave the way for my siblings right high five um it it was tough it it was Mm -hmm. very tough to to um for me it was like i couldn't show vulnerability because then my siblings are gonna see me as I'm weak. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, you know, I'm stupid. I'm, yeah. you know, dumb. Whatever. Um, so, I felt like I always had to have an answer for everything, even if I wasn't yeah. sure what the answer was. Yeah. And my parents were very hard on me. Like, you are the oldest mm-hmm. one. You know, you ha- you need to know what you're doing when it comes to like school that's yeah. all we ask for you know we're working to give you guys clothes and food your only job is to go to school so you need to figure it out because yeah. you're going to teach your four other siblings the way yeah that's a and, lot right. it's like emotionally taxing that pressure and that responsibility of being the oldest i think that'll say you're the oldest too right mm-hmm. so it's like yeah. and i'm the oldest yeah too. So, oh shit all four of us oh. Um, but it's like it's emotionally taxing and then also at some point I don't know if everyone has had this experience but me personally without it being actually like like it was kind of like a hidden kind of expectation it's like you become a sub parent Mm-hmm. like oops t- tag you're it so when my parents right. you know were often doing their things like you become that that sub parent and i don't know if you have experienced that so b- with all those pressures like oh you are the image you are the role model you need to get your life together you can't make mistakes you can't fuck up that's a lot of pressure to put on a child because i mean it's like yeah we were children trying to model or support or raise other children and that's that's a lot and I think as you go through adulthood, you realize like, oh, some of that kind of fucked with me. And now you're trying to unpack it as an adult. You're like, well, fuck. Definitely. (laughs) No, definitely. And right now it's interesting because right now I mentioned I um, I'm in a counseling program um, and I'm taking a diagnosis and treatment class and we are going through that DSM. I'm like, oh, I've yeah. never read the Bible, but I'm reading this Bible. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. that's the, the mental Bible of mental Bible. health. Yeah. Yes. Um, and we were, you know, my professor was talking about some of the mental um, health disorders. Um, and one of them that came up was the uh, separation anxiety, anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I read through, I'm like, oh, shit, I may have had that when I was when I was yeah. little and didn't mm. even didn't even know it, you know, yeah. until yeah. now that for me, at least it helps me to understand where all of this came yeah. from um, mm-hmm. in reference to my anxiety and insomnia. Yeah. Um, and I mean, of course, it's something that I'm trying to work towards you know um maintaining it in a quote-unquote healthy level 
Um, but it's not something that I can speak to my family about because they wouldn't understand. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and you know, with what I was um, talking about earlier about the anxiety, the separation anxiety yeah. disorder, um, when I was little, like I, I, my parents, I was basically they raised me to be a little become a little adult. Yeah. Um, so you're um, a parentified child. Yeah. And then, you know, males like my dad, um, you the oldest male, I was yeah. the oldest male. Just imagine all the things prescribed to you right. that you did yeah. not even know you were you didn't up sign up for. for yeah. And then having a military father that was very strict Ooh. and does not show emotion was very difficult when yeah. I had to wake up every morning and my mom would get me ready to take me to kindergarten and, I remember the first day that I cried because she left me there and I cried my eyeballs out. You know, I came home and they were like, you are not crying again. You know, boys don't Mm. cry. You are not crying. You have to go to school. And it was just they never gave me an explanation as to why I had to go to school. I just knew I had to do it. Why you couldn't cry. Yeah. And they couldn't couldn't nurture that space for you. No. Like they didn't have the language to say, we know that was scary. And we know that it was hard to be away from us. And we dropped you off. And it was the first thing we've ever done in your life where you weren't with us. That didn't happen. Our parents didn't have that language. They didn't have that background. It's like, you're going to suck it up. You're going to go. If not, I'm going to beat your ass when we get home for making a scene in public. You're like, but <laughs> like how that, is that validating my emotions? Yeah. And that was them loving us. See? Yeah. But that's deep love. Yeah, it that's, was like, yes. I love you so much, I don't want you to feel that. Yeah. So right. you will not. Yeah, I love you so much. Get the way on the nalgada. If exactly. you cry at school again, you're like, yeah. but there's shit going on that yeah. I don't know what it because means. Right. Like I still cry. Yeah, yeah, the secondary I, message to that is, La Rosa's a chiona, that's why. I cried every day of kindergarten you guys so every single day. I'm so separation actually. anxiety <laughs> I, I was the opposite i didn't i was more i don't know i think it's like the reactive attachment where i don't know if that's the correct term don't quote me on it because i may be using it in the wrong context but my parents tell this story where they went to take me and i was like bye and i left that but it's because mm. and sorry mom don't come for me yeah you were like fine but, I'm but because they raised me to be so independent yeah. that for most of my needs um i couldn't count on them and like don't come for me mom sorry but you know um so I, they didn't i had to be that person i had to be the doll in the proactive independent child so when they dropped me off i was like cool because i didn't really emotionally depend on them to mm-hmm. meet my needs i was pretty self-sufficient so my parents would say yeah we take you your first day and you were like okay bye and then like i took off and my parents saw that as a sign of they didn't register that. They saw it as like, oh, she's really strong and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, no, it's because I didn't have that nurture and that a secure attachment. So mm-hmm. I was detached. But they don't have that language for that. They just see it as, oh, she was so brave and she left and she didn't even care. And I'm like, yeah, that's a problem. I was five. I should have cared. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's just interesting how that happened. Yeah. And I yeah. think the way that we're raised, sometimes parents don't realize, you know, that sometimes they might be harming their, their children with like certain ways, you know, of raising mm-hmm. them or yeah. just the way that they talk to them about certain things and not mm-hmm. really giving them context to really understand yeah. you know, why they're being told to do something or like in my case you know i was just told you don't show emotion yeah. and i i don't think that they real i don't think they did it in a bad intended yeah, way but i don't realize it was the way yeah. they i don't you. think they realized the, the harm love. that that would yeah. cause growing up yeah. and you needed nurturing and reassurance yeah. yes, exactly and i don't want to say that i'm an insensitive person but um growing up um I want to say from my teenage years up to like before I started this counseling program 
um, people would like, you know, spill their hearts out and I'd be like, okay, okay. you know, and then, um, I had some of my friends say, gosh, you're such an asshole. Like he just, you know, she just told you like this and this and that and was like crying and you didn't even show emotion. It's like, it's not that I'm not showing emotion. Like deep down I do feel for the person, but on what you see on the outside, you're just going to get a straight face because I was always told you don't show emotion. Right. You're just acting upon the way that you're taught to. Exactly. So they put you in that stereotypical like male role, like, oh, you're an asshole. You don't have feelings. You're like, well, that's not my love language because I was never taught it. I was deprived of this language. It's internally in me. And as an adult, I'm struggling to figure out how do I bring it out? How do I process it? And how do I create this conversation? So they're just seeing what's on the outside oh you're an asshole like you don't care and you're like I actually feel a lot and it's internalized and I don't have the words to yet to bring it out and I think yeah. and, and I mean it's like how, how could they know that right? right and I think also it's beyond that like we're carrying years and years of intergenerational trauma our trauma from our ancestors our grandparents our great-grandparents like all their trauma projected onto our parents and then our parents projected it onto us so we're carrying our own trauma aside from our parents' traumas and the things that they went through. And as we get older, we're dismantling it and trying to figure out, oh, wait, my dad's that way because of this or mm-hmm. because they they left their country or there was war or things like that. I think we've all had these conversations, but it's like, as an adult, it, it could be such a lonely experience because you're dismantling all of this on your own without always having your parents there easily accessible for you to process as with them. So a lot of times it's a very isolating experience because you can't, join them right mm-hmm. and growing up they see it as an oh you know i raised like good kids and see? it's like yeah but you raised a kid that now has anxiety yeah, and yeah. insomnia yeah, you like know? oh yeah mom right. you raised a real fucked right. up kid you did great right <laughs> like, and don't get me wrong i'm yeah. not like you know i'm not blaming them for it i'm no, I, yeah. i'm accepting of what happened and yeah. I, at this point i'm just like how do i move forward how do i make yeah. it better for myself how do i move beyond that um do you feel like the more you're learning about mm-hmm. mental health and anxiety and depression do you feel more empowered i do actually um not just mental health um but just you know in general being more um um just empathetic mm-hmm. um in general and um, telling myself that it's okay to show emotion being Mm -hmm. in the counseling program. I've learned a lot in the short amount of time that I've been in it. And, you know, just being able to talk to somebody and knowing that it's okay to be vulnerable. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I can tell you since I've got into the counseling program several times, I've, you know, had friends and acquaintances come and talk to me. And I mean, and, and they, they'll, you know, spill their heart out and sometimes they cry. And I'm not saying I'm there like bawling my eyes out too, but I allow myself, you know, to, if I'm feeling that it's okay, you know, to Mm -hmm. shed a tear or two, you know, it's okay to, to self-disclose, um, which before all of this, Mm -hmm. you know, that wasn't, I didn't know that was an option for me. I didn't know that I could do that because I had been told that I couldn't do it. So yes, um, now that I'm being more educated on mental health, Mm -hmm. um, it gives definitely gives me a better understanding of at least who I am and my upbringing and why I am the way I am Mm -hmm. now. Um, and then just trying to work on those little things, you know, to definitely, um, um, allow myself that space to show vulnerability when, when needed. 
Yeah, awesome. and I think it's such a beautiful thing to have you on our show, Rafa, because we just really appreciate and are grateful for your vulnerability today because it's 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 hard to share these things, right? And like you've known uh, La Sirena, but you just met la, me, la, la Luna en la Rosa. So like we just want to like highlight that and um you know highlight the vulnerability that you shared with us today and how grateful we are with for that and. Um, how honored we are to have been able to like so far engage with you and hear your narrative. And, um, you know, my hope for this is that, you know, males out there, they do get to listen to our podcast that they find they, they can resonate with it because I truly believe that even you just being here um, on our show, like you're supporting us and creating change and, and creating dialogue and conversations for our men who are in need of healing. And so I just want to at least personally thank you for, you know, for your voice today on this podcast because I feel like it was very much needed and it's in we're very lucky to have you on thank you I feel very lucky to be able to um take part in this conversation because um for me I know how hard it is to be a male and talk about this um so you know I did it wasn't hard for me to do it because I'm uh, I'm all for change and I think that if I want to create change I have to start with myself so I'm also doing this in hopes that more uh, males would come out and talk up uh, feel comfortable talking about mental health yeah um because it's 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 stigmatized mm-hmm. especially in the latinx culture yep. yeah. although ironically when males are vulnerable i see that as bravery I actually appreciate males yeah like it, it's a it's an awesome thing when i'm hearing a male get vulnerable i'm like thank you for yeah. being authentic because it's annoying when i hear males obviously trying to front yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm not stupid. You're fronting right now. Like, there's yeah. emotions going on for you. And yeah. so, way much more respect when a male's like, dude, I'm having a hard time right now. Yeah. That to me yeah. is a I, good experience. Yeah. I could imagine that it's hard to like try to figure out what's a safe space to become vulnerable yeah. in. Like, yeah. I know the first year of counseling of any of the men- of graduate schools is really nice because you have to really undo yourself. Yeah. You have to really mm-hmm. know yourself. That's what the professors always horrible. tell you. <laughs> that yeah. like you are going to know yourself in a whole other way because yeah. you have to know yourself before you go out there into the field and serve others because you don't know like what your biases are mm-hmm. or like how are your experiences going to affect the way that you treat people. Yeah. So you kind of yeah. get to know yourself really well. So that's a really yeah. great safe space for that. But if you're not in this field, like how do you know what's a safe space to kind of throw all of this out there like air off like yeah. years of anxiety or years of depression yeah. true it yeah. takes the listener on the other end of that conversation to be open to like yeah. if you find yourself saying oh no dude don't cry guys don't cry you're contributing to the issue if you're a female and, and you know maybe your partner's uh, you know you're in a heterosexual relationship and your boyfriend is or your husband is crying or needs a s- safe space and you're like oh i don't know what to do when you're crying you're contributing so if yeah. anyone of any gender yeah. identity or is open and crying or having a hard yeah. time or experiencing anxiety yeah i think if you're a listener no matter what gender you are of course it's just really to create a safe space you just have to listen and just be non-judgmental yeah. and just allow it to happen even if maybe it's uncomfortable for you I think that's the best way we can all help each other is that we just all allow each other to get vulnerable and we just have to listen versus reinforcing some of those uh, stereotypes unintentionally. Yeah. And it's just not, it's not just crying. I mean, I can tell you from personal experience and from, 
friends, you know, that have significant others, um, you know, the males sometimes will be like, oh my gosh, I had such a hard day, babe. This is what I, oh my God, get over it. You know, like, yeah. and I hearing those types of, types of comments, it's like, well, of course we're going to shut down. Like if your girlfriend is already telling you to just get over it. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you don't want to be seen as, oh, I'm a wuss or, oh, I, c- I couldn't take, you know, I couldn't mm-hmm. take what happened during the day. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, it, it kind of contributes to us yeah. just like shutting down and not wanting to, mm-hmm. to share. Yeah. I love the point that La Rosa brought up is this is great to talk about and maybe men are feeling vulnerable, but are we creating safe spaces for them when they do for that? For everyone, yeah, yeah, for all identities. Yeah, um, yeah so with that being said, we're going to take a little tiny break and then we're going to come back with some misconceptions, stigmas, um, also talk about maybe some advice that we have for our male listeners and at some point we'll finish it up with some affirmations. Woo-hoo. Yes, queen. All right, stay tuned. back we took a little tiny mini break aka siesta we didn't really sleep but that's okay aka use the restroom yeah um (laughs) just took a little break um just to kind of you know decompress a little bit regroup um because we've been talking about some really great stuff um so as um we mentioned right before break we're going to kind of jump into some stigmas um and some barriers or misconceptions that um there that still exist in our community um and we're going to have rafa kind of share um his experiences about maybe some stigmas that he may still have or misconceptions or or maybe things that he hears people in his community say or misconceptions that he hears in his community. So with that being said, we're going to let uh, Rafa take it away. Oh, well, thank you once again for having me here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so misconceptions or, or stigmas. Um, I do um, often hear in my community yeah. Latinos um, talking about, oh, you know, if like... You it, you you only go to seek uh, help for mental problems if you're going crazy. Like, oh, mm-hmm. estás loco, you yeah. know. If you're gonna yes. go, if you're gonna go see a therapist, it's because you're mm-hmm. crazy. Um, but again, I think it all it just has to do with how we were raised culturally and what yeah. you speak and don't speak about. I think um, it's just very uncomfortable. Um, to take that very first step and and recognize, you know, that there's something going on, you know, I, I need to go speak to a therapist and just, you know, um, throw my throw my stuff out there and, 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 and receive some help with um, learning how to how to deal deal mm-hmm. with this stuff, you know, um, and that you're not crazy and that you're mm-hmm. not crazy. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest misconception. Um in the Latinx culture, not just um, males, but um, it, it, it contributes to, mm-hmm. to that, of yeah. course, for not seeking mental health because y- you're going to be seen as you're crazy or people are going to think you're crazy if they find out, you know, that you or even if you take any medicine too. or if you're getting medicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's so, yeah. So I, I see that being the biggest misconception. Mm-hmm. Even for me, um, I just remembered uh, you. You brought up a good point about medication. Um, 
what I shared that I was diagnosed with anxiety mm-hmm. and insomnia and um, the doctor said try out some breathing exercises first um, drink some lavender tea before you go to bed at night and do all these other things and then depending on how that goes um, we may or may not have to prescribe like a high dose of melatonin so I could <laughs> practically knock out and yeah. be able mm-hmm. to have a good night's sleep um, and when I heard medication I was like oh crap I don't want to be medicated like I I got really scared and my like my defenses went up right away yeah. I was like mm-hmm. no like I'm you, like no I'm not gonna take medication what you know you're crazy yeah. I, um and when I got home, I remember I shared with my mom, as I mentioned, and then I didn't feel very supported there. So I was like, crap, I need to like do all this stuff that he told me, like get, mm-hmm. I went and I grabbed the tea. I bought like the lavender um, spray. spray, like the essential You're like, oil. Todo. My pillows, <laughs> yeah. my bed sheets, everything. You're like, challenge all this lavender. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You're like, I got some lotion. <laughs> Dump it in the tub. Dump take a bath everything. in it. <laughs> I'm like, can I eat it? Is it safe yeah. to eat lavender? <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I basically tried to do everything that I could that was like over the counter um, so that I didn't have to resort to taking a prescribed yeah. high dose medication of melatonin. And I don't think that it's a bad thing, but I just just knowing that I was going to have to take some type of medication to help me with my sleep was something that I at the moment felt very resistant to. Yeah. And I said, no, there's got to be a way like to, you know, get rid of this. I know my abuelita has like the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the remedies. You're like, you know? where's the tea at? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're so. Like the vaporu, the tea, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really big. Uh, when I work with families, it's always great to have a father that comes into the sessions too. Yeah, I, I don't always see that. Sometimes um, there's like domestic violence issues and the dad doesn't come in. But then there are dads who are there and they're like, what is wrong with my child? Like, mm-hmm. what did I do for my yeah. child yeah. to be this way? Or like, why do I feel this way? And it's just like, there's a lot of like blame and a lot of shame to it. So it, it's... Uh, like a good experience to talk about psychoeducation you're like well there's different reasons why depression happens or why anxiety happens there's the biological part of it there's different traumas that Mm -hmm. sometimes we experience Um, yeah and these are the different types of treatments we do we can talk about it sometimes our brain doesn't make enough of the chemicals that we need so we can take medication for that and I've had other therapists come and tell me like I do collateral with their caregivers they're like you I don't know what you told them but all of a sudden they're okay with medication they're okay they Mm -hmm. understand that their child is not being lazy their child's not being disrespectful it's just Mm -hmm. they're dealing with depression yeah and you broke down like the cultural stigmas and things that come with mental health like I remember um there would be parents that I would work with that when like the Latino dad would come I would be like oh my god this is so beautiful because we don't get to see that and I remember when dad um cried because they were in session and they wanted to figure out like what was wrong with their kitty and they're like well how can i help and so i remember i was my spanish-speaking family and i told the dad just by you being here you already helped like you you were present today you were here that you're showing that your child that you're with them that you're uh, making attempts to understand like the best thing you could have done for your kid was what you did today is that you showed up and then this parent just started crying like such an emotional Mm -hmm. experiencing and breaking down like 
like we talked about how he was raised Mm -hmm. how and so the dad and i'll never forget this and i still get chills it was a whole family so is their teen daughter the little girl the mom and the dad and then the dad starts crying and he's like today's the first day ever in my life that i talked about my childhood and it was just so cool and i try and hold on to those things because that's what reminds you of why we're here and why we are nopal queens and why we're trying to cultivate a space for these conversations because they're needed like these mm-hmm. are real real things that are happening yep. and it people deserve to be heard we want to take all the things that are wrapped up in shame and shed light and wisdom empowerment education on it because that's what we want to replace we want to normalize that you're going to have some bad days and yeah. you're going to have experiences that put you in a bad place and that you're going to have this, if you're not feeling at least four or five different feelings in your day, you're not living, right? Because yeah. that yeah. is just being a human. And the more we can normalize that, then we can um, cut shame out of it. And all these things that are wrapped up in shame are wrapped up in pain. And so we want to just kind of take all that away so that y'all can live your lives in peace and feel love, you know, yeah. especially if you haven't had that support before. We are here for you. Yeah. yeah. Like give you permission to be a human being yep. and to feel things. Nopal Queens yeah. has granted you permission. Yeah. So to so feel your feelings. Yeah. <laughs> um, we also want to ask Rafa, what advice do you have for other males who are seeking mental health support? Yeah. Like, what would you say to them to encourage them? So I really just want to invite um, every male, regardless of whether you're, you know, Latino or any other Mm -hmm. culture or ethnic background, that it's okay to talk about these things. Um, And, and it's very needed too, you know, to, to be able to, to move forward in life and, and, and not let these things pile up, at least in my case, to the point where it becomes anxiety or insomnia. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. not healthy um, to, to, just pack so much in and not be able to 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 let it out and and be okay with it yes rafa you are awesome all the feels you You are a badass (laughs) and we love you yes thank you for helping us create this space and for um helping us create an inclusive um space for our latinx men and other men in general that may be listening so thank you so much for giving us that platform to be able to create this today definitely thank you all for creating this space and for inviting me it's definitely needed and um once again thank you all i'm honored that i am the first guest on your podcast um so um and i'm hoping it won't be the last i'd be more than willing to discuss other topics with all of you and just inform our gente yeah we would love that so i think with that being said rafa did a great job of kind of leading us into our affirmations so which uh, queen would like to go first all right this is (laughs) leslie yes Um, So I just want to validate and affirm vulnerability. Being vulnerable is being brave when you're willing to face the things that you're going through, no matter how hard they are. I think that's bravery. And because it is so hard to to be authentic with your feelings. um, And we're sort of living in this happiness or bust society where we're always reaching for happiness. And God forbid you spend time being lonely you know the feeling of loneliness embarrassment shame those feelings people want to get rid of them so quickly but 
I think that it's okay to sit with them for a little bit to find a safe person to talk to, especially for our males. We want to take care of you and nurture you because when you're doing okay, we're all doing okay. Mm-hmm. Um, same for females, but we just, everyone, I think we, we really care about everyone. We want mental health to be accessible for both males and females, um, for all gender identified folks. And so if you're out there dealing with some feelings and you've been kind of um, been subscribed patriarchal, societal gender norms telling you that you're not allowed to be vulnerable. Men, fuck them. Yeah. Fuck those norms. <laughs> Break those norms and just know that please reach out to somebody males and, and talk about what you're going through because chances are someone's going to identify with that same feeling as well. Um, and also the more empowerment and education you have around this, you're going to be better off. So yeah, keep going. Well, we just want to thank everyone for listening. Yeah. Sending us love and feedback. We want to hear from you. Also subscribe. That'd be awesome. Yes. Nopal um, queen. Yeah. We're just starting off, but we appreciate the community that we're making. The, um, the, the love that we share with our gente. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we leave? No, just listen to Nepal Queen. Ooh, and share with a friend. Yes. Bye.